0: in my life. And I pray you are as well. Philippians chapter number three, Philippians chapter number three. I want to ask you this question. She just sang a song and closed out with some words that are very powerful. You are my God. But I want to ask you this morning, if you know that God that she's speaking of, do you know him? And I pray that this morning, if you don't know him, that by the time that you leave this morning, that you would come to the realization that you need him, you see, it's not enough just to know about God. You need to know the Lord. And I'm thankful that on July 15, 2009, the Lord made that known to me in my life, and uh, my life has never been the same since. Philippians chapter number 3, it's a matter of fact, verse number 10, where we're going to start, the Bible says, that I may know him, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. By any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, That they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven from hence, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby... He is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I want to draw your attention for just a moment to a statement that is found in verse number 10. And then another statement that is found later on. The Bible says in verse number 10 that I may know him. Later on, you see a statement that is made that he says in verse number 17. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I have told you often. And now notice these words tell you even weeping. That they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. It's an amazing thing as you study the life of Paul that you come to realize within his own life that his life truly was changed. His life, as he met Jesus, his life was forever changed. And then he goes on in verse number 10, after we've already known what has taken place in chapter number 1, where he has found himself betwixt, he's struggling, he wants to go to Christ and be in glory, but the Lord is all fit to keep him on earth. And if he's going to be in, in, in on earth, he's going to be used of God. If he's going to go to glory, then he would be with God. And he finds himself struggling with that concept, but nevertheless yields his will to God's will. As you come through chapter number one, you see him continuing to strengthen the church and encouraging them. In verse number two of chapter number two, he says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. As you come to chapter number three now, and you begin to realize within chapter number three, as he is preparing to wind things down, in chapter number three, he uses the word finally. He will later on in chapter number four use the exact same word. As a matter of fact, in chapter number three, verse number one, the word finally means for the rest, as he is continuing these things but coming to an end. In chapter number four, as you come to chapter number four, he says again, Therefore, my, bre- blo- bre- my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And then in verse number eight, he uses the word finally, brethren. And that word finally is used in the context of, in closing, I am officially winding this thing down, and I want to say just a few more things. But right in the midst of all of that, in verse number 10, he says that I may know him. And I found it interesting, I was reading the book of Philippians this past week, just briefly, and thumbing through, and I came across this again, and I, I love this book of the Bible. It's one of my favorite books to study, but I found it interesting that as he said in verse number 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering being made conformal unto his death, that later on he will go on and say, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, notice these words, even weeping. You see, I believe within the days in which we are living today, one of the the saddest realities is not that our world is becoming more and more corrupt. We know that is going to take place. It's not that, that bad things are continuing to happen or situations are getting worse. Those things are obvious. The saddest thing that we are seeing within our nation and within our culture and within this world is that more and more Christians are becoming so numb to the fact that they need Jesus. You see, when we realize that we need Jesus, we come to realize that others need Jesus. And when we get a burden to know him, we want others to know him. And Paul here in chapter number three says in verse number 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. But then later on, with tears in his eyes, he says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. With tears in his eyes, understanding that there are some that are going to realize this later on, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. With tears in his eyes. You see, we've lost our tears. We don't weep for this world anymore. We don't weep over the problems of this world. We do a great job griping about it and fussing about it and complaining about it, but we don't weep over lost souls anymore. Last week, we looked at the Word of God and saw a desperate woman just touch the garment of Jesus. And Jesus turns and asks the question, and she realizing in faith she just needed to touch it because she could be healed. She was desperate. But we're not desperate anymore. You know how I know we're not desperate anymore? Because after many of us got saved, the one thing we wanted to do was tell someone about Jesus. But now we take it or leave it. Well, if they show up to church, we're glad they're here, but I don't know that we're going to go and get them. What a shame. What a shame. I want to ask you this question as you look at verse number 10 of chapter number three. He says these words that I may know him. You say, well, I remember the day that I got saved. That's wonderful. I pray that, that as you go back and reflect on the day, you rejoice in it often and, and you realize that the day of salvation was just the beginning of all that Jesus had for you. There was so much more. It wasn't that you just accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and then you just sat on it and said, that's all. No, now you need to get to know him even more and intently and in depth as you think about these words, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. You see, the name of Jesus, as you study Scripture, you'll find so much more depth to it and so much more joy in it because you realize that it is a saving name. In Acts chapter number 4, verse number 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Praise the Lord that is a name that saves. As you call upon His name, it's a precious name in 1 Peter 2, 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe He is precious. It's a powerful name. John 16 says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say to you whatsoever ye shall ask in the uh, the Father in my name. He will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Understanding that he had all power to give things. You see, one of the struggles in our lives is that we don't desire to know the Lord in depth. I've been reading a book that has encouraged me, challenged me, convicted me called the deeper Christian life. And I've realized that I have so much more. So much more to learn about my Savior and so much more to glean from my Savior. You see, Paul realized later on as he used these words in verse number 12 of chapter number two, uh, 3, he says, not as though I had already attained. He is making the statement, hey, I've not arrived yet. I've not gotten to that place yet. He goes on and says, either were already perfect, but I follow after. Later on, he's going to tell us, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He was willing and continuing to work. But far too often in our lives, we get past that and we say, I'm too good for that. I've already attained. I've already gotten to the place where I'm comfortable staying. It's a comforting name. In Matthew 1, some of you are heavy hearted right now. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, coming to me, all you that labor are heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's an exalting name. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 2, 9, it says, wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. You see, I want to ask you this question this morning. Do you know him? You say, oh, I accept him as my personal savior. Oh, that's wonderful. But when the testimonies begin to roll in and uh, and a young man raises his hand and begins to testify of the grace of God and the mercy of God and the goodness of God in his life. Is it something that you're sitting there and say, oh, that's good for him. But you have no desire to know of the grace of God. You have no desire to know of the goodness of God. You have no desire to know the mercy of God. You have no desire to recognize those things because you have no desire to know him. You see, when you really get into the word of God and you say, Lord, reveal yourself to me, all of a sudden he does just that. Oh, and you get to know him in a deeper way. Some of you have gone through some deep, deep valleys. And in the midst of that valley, you found as the choir was singing that he is good, and that he has been faithful. And it was in that valley that you began to realize I didn't know him as well as I thought I knew him until I went through the valley. I didn't know him like I thought I knew him until I got on the mountaintop and saw things from his perspective. And as I got into the word and I dug in the word and I began to desire to know him more in depth. You see, as you study the word of God, you'll find that as we ask this question, do we know him? He is our beginning. The Bible tells us in Revelation 1, 8, I'm alpha and omega, the beginning and ending that saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the almighty That is the God that we're speaking of this morning. That is the God that a young lady just sang and proclaimed. That is my God. Do you know him this morning? He's not only the beginning, but he's also the door. The Bible tells us in John chapter number 10. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. That's our God. He's not only the door, but as you continue, he's our advocate. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful that the Bible tells us in 1 John 2, 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any men sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm thankful for that. Can I ask you this question this morning? Do you know him? Do you know him? Have you grown to a, into a season of life where you say, you know, I just really don't desire to know him like you're talking about? And Paul here is making it very known that in chapter number one, he was betwixt. In chapter number two, he's trying to strengthen. In chapter number three, he is asking the question as he poses the statement that I may know him. Recognizing the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering may, may be conformable unto his death. This morning, I want to bring three points to you that I pray will be a help to you. I believe this is the struggle of the Christian life in many of our lives, and this is something that we ought to try and desire to do every single day of our lives. Number one, you ought to desire to learn more about Christ. Learn more about Christ. You know, one of the great joys of the Christian life is not only knowing that you are worshiping the Lord, but you're worshiping a God that's not dead like other religions. You see, all the other religions, they're going about their rituals, they're going about their religious tendencies, and they're doing all of those things, but they're doing it with no end in sight, no hope in sight. But as we just sang, we have a lively hope. We have a a risen Savior this morning. And Paul here makes the statement that I may know Him, but that I may know Him again, and again, and again, and again. You see, every single day is an opportunity to get to know your Savior in a deeper level. A more intense level in a more intimate way as you learn about the Lord on a daily basis that he says that I may know him. Notice he goes on and says he's learning about a couple of things. He says that I may know him, number one, and the power of his resurrection, not just learning about Christ, but learning about his power. As you study scripture, you'll find that with man, all things are impossible with God. Nothing's impossible. I remember thinking about this as I was going back in my mind, thinking about the the, the many stories I've read and the testimonies I've heard and the times that I have reflected on certain things in my own life. And I remember the story about a young girl who had been praying for her grandfather for a long, long time. And her grandfather was unsaved. Her grandmother would take her to church. And there was a revival meeting that was taking place. And they had been praying for this man for years. I mean, years. And this grandfather showed up on a revival night and began to to come. He sat all the way in the back of the auditorium. Revival meeting came and started on a Sunday and went on a Monday and Tuesday and comes to the the final evening. This man, he's, he's been faithful to it with his wife. He told her he'd come. The final night, during the invitation, a young lady raises her hand and begins to testify of the goodness of God in her own life. And all of a sudden, that man begins to stand. Walks down the aisle and gets saved that night. And I began to think about that picture right there as a young lady began to testify of the goodness of her God and what he had done in her life. She was only testifying to what she knew. She didn't realize that her God was about to reveal of his goodness that her grandfather was walking down the aisle to get gloriously saved that night. And that man would come to know him. But my prayer, and my testimony is that I may know him not only after salvation in a deeper way, every single day of my life, that I may know Him and His power. That night, the power of God was seen. And as you realize in Mark 10, verse number 27, the Bible reminds us, as we've already made mention of, with men it is impossible, with God. For God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Learning about His power, learning about His presence, notice these words, and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings. As you think about all of what Jesus has done for us? He bled and died on that cross. I began to think about my own testimony, my own life, and what the Lord has done in my life. And I pray that He would continue to do a deep work and that He would continue to remind me of His presence and that I need His presence, not just occasionally, but I need to get in the presence of God every single moment of my life, seeking His face and seeking His will. Far too often in the Christian life, many of us, we're okay with occasional visits from the Lord. I don't know about you. I, I'm not satisfied with occasional visits from the Lord. I'm not just satisfied with the Lord showing up on a Sunday morning and uh, occasionally on a Wednesday and in a revival. Me. No, I want the Lord to show up and be, His presence be revealed to me every single day of my life. I want to dwell in His presence. Do you know Him? Do you desire to know Him this morning? Do you just look at it and say, Oh, I'm saved. Isn't that enough, preacher? No! Get in the presence of God. Glean with him and dwell with him. He understood this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. I can imagine as Paul is talking here, as he is dealing with this subject, he is he is not just dealing with it in such a way where it's something that is casual, but he is serious and he is intent about it. And he goes on in verse number seventeen later on. He says, "Brethren, be followers of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us as an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping." I believe Paul wept many nights as he thought about the souls that he was unable to reach. I believe Paul wept many nights as he thought about the journeys that he couldn't wait to take. I, thought, I think about Paul wept many times whenever he thought about the church family and he thought about the other believers and he thought about his own testimony and the change that Jesus made. I believe Paul wept. The sad reality is this statement that I may know him is one that many of us sadly are just going to look over and say, I could do without it sadly, I must say, I feel sorry. I want to know my Savior. He goes on and says these words, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. We understand that he not only wanted to learn about Christ and his power, his presence, but also his preeminence. You see, in many of our lives, God is prominent. You walk through the house of many people that claim to be Christians. There's a Bible on the desk. There's a saying that says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As You walk through and there's little pictures of the crosses and, you know, things like that. But let me ask you this question. I understand that for many of you, God is prominent every day. You might even make mention of him, but is he given preeminence? Is he given preeminence? You see, every single day as you wake up, do you say, Lord, I'm going to live this day. You just make sure that you're there on Sunday would you wake up? Do you say, Lord, this day is yours? Lord, I'm laying myself down. Lord, I want you to have preeminence. Lord, if you desire to me, go here, leave me here. If you desire to do this, you do that. Lord, if you want to help me here, Lord, you help me. Lord, if you want to convict me of this, Lord, whatever it is in my heart that is is in the way of your perfect will, Lord, you get a hold of it. Lord, I want to give you preeminence. You see, the more that you learn about Christ... And the more that you learn about your Lord and Savior, the more that you want to dwell with Him. The more that you want to be right with Him. The more that you want to do His will. The more that you desire to dwell with Him and dwell in His presence and do His work and serve Him and live all your days for Him. The preacher yesterday gave a beautiful illustration of this as he had different fruits up here. The sad reality within all of our lives is that we have that Twix bar that's right here We dwell on the fruit on Sundays. We don't enjoy it though sometimes. We go about our days Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we're dwelling and we're feasting on that Twix bar. And we wonder why so many of us are so carnal. And we wonder some, why so many churches are going different direction. Well, we wonder why there are so many idols in this world, not in just the world's philosophy, but even in Christians' lives, where we worship so many things other than our God. Why? Because we're dwelling and feasting on the Twix bars. We're not feasting on the righteousness. We're not feasting on the Word of God. We're not coming to the place like Paul, as he says, that I may know him, but I don't just want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Paul, but why? Why? Well, not as though I'd already attended I haven't gotten there yet. I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. I, you know, I'm still working through this. Number two, we see he emphasizes that there's not only a learning about the Lord, but there must be a living for the Lord. If you're ever going to live out the Christian life, you must make it something that is priority within your life. It can't just be talked about. Paul here is making this known in verse number 12 as he says, "...not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before." I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's very interesting as you think about the past and you think about uh, the past in general, even good things in the past, but the devil doesn't like to bring up those good things in the past, does he? The devil likes to dwell on the past of what you've done, all the bad things and all the horrible things. And, and, you know, I've heard statements many, many times about people saying, oh, there's no way that God could use my life. And I recently heard someone say it's offensive to tell God that he can't use you. Never thought about that. I've never thought about that simple truth that oftentimes we think the Lord can't use us. And we will look at God and say, God, you can't use me. There's no way you could use my life. It's offensive because he can do all things. He can take the testimony of one who has been addicted to drugs, one who's been given to alcohol, one who's been living a a life that has been given to partying and all of the things of the world. He can take that life and he can say, hey, I want to do something with it. That soul will get saved and that soul will get changed. And all of a sudden they're living for God and testifying the goodness of God. But meanwhile, Satan wants to say, oh, you can't be used because of all that. God says, oh, I can use any of you. All of you. As you think about knowing Christ, there has to come a time where you begin to desire to live for Christ. As a matter of fact, as you think about the the, the prize that he is speaking ha- here for, and he is talking about that that prize, as he says, of the high calling of God in Christ. Jesus, the finish line will come one day, but it's not your time to say when it's time to come. No, let the Lord use you. Don't quit on God. Don't say, Lord, I'm done now. Keep living for Christ. I was convicted this past weekend. Young person after young person coming and getting at an old-fashioned altar. We had many that were weeping down here and just saying, Lord, I surrender my life. And I had the opportunity to talk to a young man who says for the last couple of weeks, the Lord has been dealing with him about the call to preach. And as I was right here, I can tell you exactly, I bent down just like this, and we were talking. And some of you have had this happen before, but it's as though you're talking to yourself many, many years ago. And I had my arm around that young man. His name was Charles, and he was talking to me. He says, I believe the Lord's called me to preach. I've been, the Lord's been dealing with me for a long time about this. And it's as though I could see myself in that exact same place. It's a 16-year-old young man saying, I believe the Lord's been calling me to preach. I believe the Lord's been calling me to preach. I've been running from this, but I'm finally ready ready to get this settled. I surrender my life to the Lord. I surrender my life to the call to preach. I remember that day. As I was sitting there with that young man, big tears began to swell up in my own eye because I counted a privilege this morning to stand up here. But it's not enough to talk about just serving the Lord in the past. I must serve Him now. It's not enough just to look forward to the future. I must serve Him now. Paul, I believe, was one who not only wanted to get the people's attention for this, but as he makes this statement, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward. You see, the Christian life, as we've made mention of the last couple of weeks, is a life of decision after decision after decision. And I wonder this morning if you have fallen into the trap of just kind of complacency. Thinking that it's fine, I've done enough, there's, there's nothing more to do, I've grown to this point, isn't that enough? Listen, stop, stop asking man's opinion on if it's enough. Because man's opinion and God's opinion are two different things. God says, keep seeking after me. Man says, oh, you've done enough. God says, keep coming after me. Man says, oh, you've gone to many places. God says, keep seeking after me. Man says, oh, you, you, you've done more than some others. God says, no, keep coming after me. Keep coming after me. Paul says these words that I may know Him, and as he is saying it in reference here, he is saying it in such a way that he is saying that I may know Him today and I may know Him tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day until God takes me. May I know Him. And I wonder this morning if you have fallen in the trap of believing that, you know, isn't my salvation enough? I don't need to do anything else. I don't want to do anything else. No, can I encourage you? There's something sweet about getting to the presence of your Savior and saying, Lord, I just want to dwell with you. I want to know You, Lord. I want to know You better today than I did yesterday. Lord, I want to know You better tomorrow than I do today. Lord, reveal Yourself. Lord, take me through the valley and remain faithful. Lord, bring me on the mountaintop and show me Your goodness. Lord, take me through the ordinary days and just continue to dwell with me. Lord, help me to know You. Can I ask you this question one last time this morning? Do you know Him? If you don't, can I encourage you? Get it settled. Lord, we do thank You this morning. Lord, we thank You for Your goodness. Lord, I pray that you would be with us. Lord, there may be one here that's unsaved, doesn't know you as their personal Savior. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, that they would get that settled this morning. Lord, we'll thank you for it. Lord, for the Christian that's gotten weary. Lord, for the Christian that's gotten casual in their walk with you. Lord, maybe they don't desire to know you intimately. And Lord, I pray that you would help them. Lord, that we'd all fall back in love with you. Get into the Word. Get into your presence. Spend time in prayer. Lord, sell out. I pray that you would help us this morning. Guide us, build this invitation, for it's in Jesus' name we pray.